you made it for us to rejoice, be glad and in and all the good things now will unfold to us from the hearing of your word. Thank you Lord that your word contains faith and power, contains wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Everything that we need for life is in your holy word. It never returns void when it's believed and acted upon. So we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name. Amen and praise God and praise God. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I thought today we'd talk about the fact that you have a life insurance policy in your mouth. Amen. Your life insurance policy is in your mouth. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So um, uh, Proverbs 18.21 tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they who love it will eat the fruit thereof. <clears throat> I think that word love has some connotations of uh, have confidence in it. Uh, people who um, use words a lot, persuasive people, uh, people who um, and, and people who talk a lot will eat the fruit of their words. You know, there are times when you can say words that you don't mean or you're sorry you said them and if you can repent and, and uh, you know, apologize if you offend people, whatever, uh, to make things right before God, whatever God requires you have to do uh, to make sure you don't eat wrong fruit or live out of the negative <clears throat> Things that you say all the time. Sometimes we're ignorant of of um, wrong words that we may say, and we eat the fruit of them anyway, because God wants to show us that we can make changes that will uh, cause us to speak life and cause life to come to us, because we can now discern the difference. We can see that we have a choice. So you have a choice what you think, you have a choice what you speak, uh, and you can make wise choices based on what you desire and use your words to make sure that that comes about. And so I think it's very important, it's, it's real important for believers to make the right choices with their words, you know, and, and let your tongue speak life, let your tongue speak uh, encouraging things, kingdom things. Let your tongue, it really does guide your life. The Bible says that your tongue is a little member, but like a rudder on a ship. It's really small, but it guides that huge ship everywhere that it goes. And so we have to learn how to respect our words and how to use our words skillfully and how to use our words to set a pace or set a direction and a course for our lives. Set the course that you want to see happen you don't have to be a victim of anything or or feel like somebody else has done something to hinder your life and it's irretrievable you can correct the direction of your life with your tongue just like a rudder on a ship is able to steer that whole thing your tongue is able to steer your life and so uh, you can also write a life insurance policy with your tongue Amen. It will be able to help you. So I uh, was listening uh, to a tape yesterday. I really wasn't on this subject, but I, uh, when this scripture was mentioned, I started to think on it. And so um, God began to reveal some things to me that I thought were helpful for myself. And, and so I'll share them with you. In First Kings 17, 
We see an example of a, a, a word protecting the life of the prophet. And just just like that word protects the life of this prophet, the word of God will protect your life when you speak it. Amen. Because we speak from the same spirit. Uh, you can have the same faith on your words that this this servant of God had. And uh, it doesn't make you a prophet because you understand the power of God's word. It just makes you a wise person. And so um, you can you can always go to God and get some things to help you and to correct you. So in 17 verse 1 says and Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. You notice he didn't say God's word. He said my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying get you hence and turn you eastward. Hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Now why is the prophet hiding? Why is... Why is this necessary? He's just prophesied to the king of Israel. Now if you know anything about Ahab's history, you know that he served the god Baal. He was married to a wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. He did not marry a Hebrew woman. He married a heathen woman, Jezebel. And they served Baal, uh, the god that that required human sacrifice they built altars to Baal so he totally quit worshiping God Uh, the Bible says he was worse than all of the bad kings that came before him so he totally turned that nation over to false gods and and when that happens God has to do something to intervene because the blessing of God hinges on our obedience to him and our obedience to his word if we can't obey God we are not entitled to the blessings now God will give us mercy he'll keep you living he'll warn you he'll do this he'll do that but at some point the warnings have to stop And then the period of judgment comes. Now whenever there was rain, whenever, I mean, wherever there was drought, whenever there was famine, God told uh, his people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and heal the land. It's very simple. All you have to do is, is repent and turn back to God. All you have to do is ask forgiveness. You know, God, when when Jehoshaphat had to have that nation pray, I and my fathers have sinned. You know, you don't try to say, well, the only reason we did it is because these heathens live next door to us and, and they enticed us. 
you know, like um, uh, like <laughs> like uh, Adam did Eve, and Eve did the serpent. We got beguiled and hot potato passed the blame around. Uh, this is not a time for passing blame around. This is a time for hard, cold honesty and repentance, and say, God, I see we've done wrong. We haven't done what we were supposed to do. Then God requires them to remove all of those idols and all of the things that they have built in honor of foreign gods. And so God requires a holiness among his people and he judges unrighteousness. So this is a season where the unrighteousness of all the evil kings and topping it off with Ahab and Jezebel when all of this wickedness and unrighteousness that's being spread out on God's people this is the season where God calls an end to that know that whenever there is unrighteousness God sees God knows and God has his time when he will call an end to it amen so we don't have to worry about what's going to happen and how long are they going to get away with this and you know people aren't really getting away with anything because I would hate to be in a position of knowing God and knowing better and sinning anyway see that's a bad spot for anybody to be in because you those people live on the edge because they're expecting the hammer to drop any time and never know when it's going to drop it drops when they get comfortable you know I've observed that over the years and they just when they think God's letting them get away with something that's when it drops and so we have to understand that God is righteous he's holy he knows what he's doing nothing escapes his view nothing escapes his his vision and so when we understand the things that God is doing uh, then we can more abide by his laws and allow his righteousness to guide our lives I don't care what you see anybody else doing you keep serving God Amen. I don't care how hard it gets or how hard you believe it is for you to continue to say you keep doing it anyway. Because that's a whole lot better than slacking off and, and going down the way of the disobedient. And so God has a way to preserve the righteous. He always has righteous instruction for us. And so Ahab is a wicked king. He's married to a wicked woman. Their biggest sin is worshiping other gods. That's number one. Because their first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you will not have other gods before me. There are things that we always like, love, enjoy, but we have to keep those things in their proper place and keep God in his and as long as you do that you always have the blessing of God you have the favor with God so God sees in in one of the other things that happens when when leaders are wicked is that wickedness gets uh spread across the the minds of the people that are under their authority so you have to be particularly careful and in discerning and and uh stay with God make a stand for God and don't waver it doesn't matter who's uh telling you that it doesn't you know oh God won't he God doesn't care about stuff well you're being too 
religious you being too you know all this stuff you know somebody's always going to come up and tell you you can slack off in your obedience and so this is how the enemy gets us he tries to make us jealous of his uh his wayward ways and his nonsense and making us think that we don't have to obey god it's always different you know what i'm saying they always want to tell you it's different than what you know it to be and so you sometimes we are too rigid sometimes we are too uh uh, i don't know we're not um uh uh how can i say faith you know full of more faith than works but god will help you adjust that you'll get it together you don't need a sinner to come up to tell you to slack up off of what you you keep you tighten up all the more if you have to just to stay close to God and 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 he will he will help you to understand that he's a merciful God and and he's a just God but the best thing to do is stay with what you know what's not a faith is sin if you're not if it's not in your heart to slack up on your obedience to God then don't do it you understand what I'm saying just keep doing what you do and let God help you and so um so God wants to to help Israel he really really does so he announces a period of drought for a certain time so what what elijah does is he prophesies according to what god gives him and then he tells them this is not a permanent situation amen he's telling them it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Now why does God tell him to say it like that? It's not arrogant. He's not prideful. He's saying the word of the Lord. God could give that message to another prophet. There are more prophets around. Why does he tell Elijah to say it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain? Well that's his life insurance policy. They can't kill him. Because he's in control of when it rains again. Because he's killed up all the other prophets. So you'll see where Obadiah was one prophet that was left. And he had hidden a hundred prophets in two caves with fifty prophets each one. And they're hiding from Jezebel and Ahab. Because Jezebel has had her prophets kill all of them and so God gives the prophet a an insurance policy on his life so that he is able to make sure that his servants live and not die this is very important because people somehow get the impression that oh you know in, in certain countries you, you go over there and they persecute Christians so bad they kill up every you don't have to die you can live amen because you have a life insurance policy in your mouth just like this prophet had and the word of the lord came to him saying go and turn and hide yourself so elijah is still hiding but this he's being wise in the natural he's not letting himself be vulnerable to being murdered by ahab and jezebel but he's released this word to the to the king and so this king is going to have to help preserve elijah's life so he can live 
God always has his servants connected to somebody else who needs them. There's always somebody who needs the word of the Lord. There's always, I mean, if you're a true servant of God and you're a true prophet of God, you don't have to worry about people knowing you're a prophet and respecting you and letting you prophesy. God always connects you to somebody who needs that word that you carry or you wouldn't be down here prophesying somebody he's got you working because somebody needs it and so he goes to the and it shall be and the Lord says that you shall drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there now these are unusual circumstances because it's there is a drought on when when things are scarce and things are not the way you want them to be it's amazing how everybody listens very very intently to God you ever notice that when you don't have what you want and you don't have what you need you're very very open to what God has to say to you keep your ear to the floor you go around being nice to everybody you go around you you don't offend a soul you just as sweet as you can be and so you and that's what what the bible refers to as walking softly before god so you walk softly because his voice can come to you at any time to help you out so you're expecting god to come to your aid and your rescue and so he tells him the ravens ravens were considered to be unclean so here he's at having to depend on a violation really of God's law in order to survive. Another test for him. Are you too rigid, quote unquote rigid in your obedience to God? If, and if you think God's going to send you a clean bird and he keeps seeing dirty words, you'll starve to death. Amen. But God tells him, I'm doing this. I'm sending the ravens to you to feed you there. One of the, the assurances he has is that nobody's going else is going to want that food if a raven is bringing it to him. Amen. And so he'll know that God's provision is there. God knows what he's doing folks and, and, and my thing is this listen to the Lord listen to the word of God be obedient to God's word whatever you do don't stray from that and once you really really hear from God and it lines up with his word if it doesn't line up with his word you have a good reason why it doesn't you understand what I'm saying there's a wisdom reason why it doesn't line up with his word you know remember when uh, um, uh, Peter God showed Peter that vision in the book of Acts and he had all these unclean things in there and God said listen I call them unclean under the law but I can can make them clean for your purposes anytime I want to amen and so God will purify what needs to be purified because he created them amen you know the law was good because it kept Israel disciplined they missed the whole purpose of God's law. There's nothing inherently wrong with one animal over another one. Because you'll see in areas where people people eat rats, cats. I mean they'll eat anything. They eat 
bugs, anything for sustenance. And, and some people call them delicacies. Wealthy people get sick of eating steak all the time. They go somewhere and they eat some bugs. You know, we got grasshoppers for, oh yeah, they're wonderful. They're full of protein, whatever. Oh, let me try some. And so God says, new covenant, bless it and eat it. And keep moving. You understand what I'm saying? If that's what you have, that's what you have. So he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Sheriff that is before Jordan. And the ravens bought, brought him bread and flesh. So the ravens must have had a, a, a credit card or something. Went to Walmart and got a loaf of bread. Brought him some meat in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank from the brook. So God sustained him according to his word. According to the promise of God is how he sustains us. Remember that because there are some things that God will will put in your life that will take care of you. And it might just be for a season. And then he will change up. And he'll have to do things differently for you after that season is over. So um, uh, if you'll turn back a little bit to First uh, Kings 16, just one if it's, you know, one chapter over one page over. In verse 29, and it gives you a little background. It says, in the 30 and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, began, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to rule over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, ruled over Israel and Samaria 20 and 2, day, two years. Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Naboth. That he took to wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal king of the Zidonians and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he had built in Samaria. Now Samaria was the the uh, capital of Israel at that time. And there was a temple to God right in the same place. And he says and Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And in the days did Hiel of the Bethlehite build Jericho and laid the foundation thereof in Abiram his firstborn and set up the gates thereof in the youngest son Shugub according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Joshua the son of Nun. Now if you read in Joshua I'm trying to see if I got a note there on the side where it says which, which chapter 6. Yeah that was an accursed thing. After God tore down that wall in Jericho for his people, uh, he pronounced a curse on Jericho. And he said, Cursed is anyone who rebuilds this city. They will rebuild it in the, uh, with the, as a, well, they would have to sacrifice their children and cornerstones to rebuild this city. And that's exactly what happened. And so God is sorely displeased. With Ahab and the way that he's treating his people. He's not allowing his people to worship him. And that is a grave sin for any nation, any ruler, any country, any people. You restrict the worship of God from a people. uh, You will incur the wrath of God for sure. 
And and I believe God moves sovereignly in these things many times. You know, now he'll stir his people up to pray, but I think people put too much focus on I wouldn't say the importance of prayer, but too many people take it upon themselves to try and warn everybody to pray. You know, when they don't pray themselves. You can always tell the warning people are are not prayers themselves. Because pre- people who pray know that they're not doing this because they want to pray so much. Or they, they have more interest in the things of God than the next guy. You know, sometimes it's a little arrogant thing when they say, well, you better pray. If you don't pray, you like you to head at a church. God will move on people to pray when he needs to. You know, you'll hear some, some testimonies of some people that do some remarkable things sustained just by the the mandate of God to do them. Um, Brother Hagan uh when he lived in Tulsa, now he was from Texas originally, lived there many, many years of his adult life, had ministry there, uh, pastored churches there, and wound up in Tulsa to start the school and all of this. And he said he was always curious to know who prayed for that city to be so open to the things of God the way they were. Because you know Old Roberts University was there. People don't gravitate to certain places for no reason. You know, not when they have that that volume of freedom to worship God in a place like that. And he said that he finally was able to meet one woman he knew it was two of them because he had heard of them from different people and he was able to meet one of them and he asked her uh, what her prayer life was like and she said well I got up in the morning I began to pray and worship God and and, uh, she said about six o'clock I get up and about noon I'd stop and have a little bit of soup and that was it and go back to praying and then at dinner time I had soup again and I went back to bed and prayed and she did this continually for years. That doesn't happen by somebody telling you you better pray. You understand man doesn't do that. Uh, this was somebody who was committed to God and and by God's spirit began to cry out for what was needed. You can't move beyond the spirit of God folks. You don't just decide everybody needs to pray and start getting people to pray. That kind of nonsense stuff. God has to move people to do and he has to empower people to do things. And so... Uh, uh, it, it, it's very very important that we honor God in that way that we allow him to have the preeminence in these things because he will call the right people he will empower the right people and he will have the right people to do his will it's like you know when I hear people say well, well let's get together and pray less 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 no uh-uh. um, I'm already assigned to do something if if I don't get a piece about it when it hits my ears I don't move uh, you don't go and let people drag you around doing all of these 
things. They don't know anything about prayer. They barely know the word. They just know something needs to change. And so, you know, get in your closet and make the changes you need to make for you and let God continue to handle his business because he he has a way of handling his business. We know nothing of. And so Elijah then, you see now the insurance policy that he writes for himself that's in his mouth. We can do the exact same thing in everyday life, in every situation. You can allow the power of your words to write an insurance against death, an insurance against poverty, an insurance against sickness, an insurance against everything that the curse would bring. Amen. And so here Ahab uh, has to listen to the prophet. This this the prophet has delivered the word to him. Then he runs and hides himself. According to what God says. It was known in Israel at this time that the prophets of God ran from from King Ahab. Ran from any of the officials of the government. Now they were working against God's kingdom. So they didn't. Uh, this was no time to think it's an honor to go to the palace. You know what I'm saying? And the king wants to see you. Oh you didn't see me okay. Uh, you didn't see me I. And so it was that kind of season. God's word preserves our life. After Ahab prophesies, uh, Elijah, uh, it, 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 he flees from Elijah's presence. And he is fed by the ravens by the brook Cherith. He is on the run. And the brook dries up. And then God gives him further instructions. When you're under mandate of God's word... When you need to change, God will always bring word to you. You stay with that mandate until you're either forced to change because circumstances change or there is something else going on that God needs to give you different instructions. So the brook dries up and and the ravens, he's not sustained in that method any longer. And verse 7, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So Elijah is under the power of the drought just like everybody else is. But different from everybody else, Elijah is not under the judgment of sin. Even though you're living in a land where Jobs are not plentiful, uh, money's not plentiful, nothing's plentiful. If you determine to obey God and you determine to live for God, you will be taken care of. Never, never complain about God's provision. And this is important because when you see a famine around you, this is no time to I'm the head not the tail I'm above and not beneath I mean you know you know how we get on our so-called confession that we don't even believe it most of the time but we pull it out you know as some kind of weapon to force God to give us things suppose he had fed the prophet uh, extravagant things huh Everybody else is starving and the prophet has plenty of water. He has plenty of milk and food and everything. 
Sometimes your abundance can make you a target. See, if you live out the abundance that's within you, huh? the riches of Christ that are inside of you by faith, then God will distribute according to his wisdom as you need it to be distributed to you. God did not want wicked people to have abundance at this time. He meant to starve people out so that they would cry out to him. And once God understands that it's time to bless again, he will bless. But that nation has to be brought to repentance before God can bless them. That is always the standard folks. Don't get it twisted. Don't think God is just going to be mad at me when he ain't mad no more. I can go have some fun again. It don't work like that. It works like you recognize your sin. It works like you recognize you don't please God. It works like you recognize you're wrong. And you need to make it right before God. Amen. People get it, get it screwed up. They think that you know if, if, if you offend somebody and God tells you to go to them and apologize. They won't do it because they think they're bowing down to people. You need to do that too. If that bothers you so much you need to do that too. You need to honor people as, as made in God's image. You don't dishonor people because you think they don't deserve it or don't whatever it is. You know, we can find all kinds of excuses for being disobedient forever. But God still holds that judgment against us until we come by way of the blood and humble ourselves and ask forgiveness. You know, you can't live like that. God says if you, you know, don't give me your gift, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother first. You don't come rushing up here and know you're wrong. And you're going to try to tell somebody you didn't do it. Or it's not your fault. Somebody pushed you. Yeah, 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 but you still did it. You understand? It's on your record. You know, people are, 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 they always want their record expunged. You know, you could expunge it yourself by behaving yourself. Uh expunge your own record you know start doing right and so here we have elijah is is god's going to have to change things up for him now now he could have had him at that brook forever but he allows the prophet to taste a little bit of the judgment that's on the land you know why that happens to keep you on the straight and narrow to say you know what I could really starve to death around here if God's mercy doesn't continually come in my life and so God has the prophet taste a little bit of the drought that's going on you know that brook could have gone supernaturally forever but God allowed it to dry up let the prophet know just keep trusting me keep believing me it's not over yet Verse 8, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to, to Sidon, and live there. In other words, go stay. Don't go and think you're only there for a minute and keep going. He says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you, to feed you, look after you. 
So he arose and went to Zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city behold a widow woman was there gathering sticks and he called to her and said fetch me I pray a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now there's a drought going on folks. Why is he asking her for water? To find out if she's the one. Hello. There's a lot of widows running around that town. You understand what I'm saying? And he says, and as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So here, God is going to have to work supernaturally again. He never puts us totally on natural circumstances. We're always going to have to use our faith and stretch our faith so that we can believe God for the impossible. Because if you're trying to stay alive in a drought, you don't know when it's going to catch up to you. So you're going to have to, and you can't relax. Say, for instance, if Elijah had relaxed when the when he was at the brook and the ravens, it seems like just when you're getting comfortable, God stops that process and and shifts it and causes you to now have faith for something else. But you always got to remember to put your faith in God. You got to listen for that word of the Lord that's going to guide you and lead you. And this is not just for drought situations. This is every day. Many times we miss our total prosperity because we stop listening to God and start looking at the natural circumstances. I mean how many times do we do that? And so but God tells him I want you there's a widow that's going to sustain you. And I'm sure on the inside he said, brother, I thought the ravens were bad. So I got to go in a broke, you know, widows were known not to be a prosperous people. Huh? They didn't have a man there to provide for them. They were usually living off the kindness of other people, perhaps sons if they had adult sons or family members. But they did not often have their own source of income. So here we go from raven to widow. And I'm sure Elijah's thinking, come on now God, when am I going to get to the rich people? (laughs) But there are no rich people. Because there's a famine on. And so if the prophet is going to be sustained he's going to have to live by the word of God. Just like everybody else there is going to have to wait until God's word turns it around for them. And so everybody's there on pins and needles. Everybody there is barely making it. There are some people who are are um, dying of starvation. They're dying of thirst. And so it's a hard time now for God's people. Why? Because their their leader is is messing everything up for them. Killed all the prophets of God. 
put people in fear of serving God. So he makes them serve on the uh, uh, other gods. Amen. And so that's an evil that God corrects. You don't have to tell God it's time to do nothing. I mean you can if you're in, in prayer and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you God knows when it's time. And he knows how to stir people up to pray. Trust me. He knows how to do it. He knows exactly who he's going to use. He knows exactly when these things are going to. He knows exactly what he's doing. So this is time to trust God's word and trust him more than you eat any do uh, anything. So in verse 13 Elijah says fear not. In other words, you know, I know you were planning to die, but don't be afraid. And he says, go and do as you have said, but make me a cake first. In other words, Elijah says, I'm not upsetting your plans. You want to go. You want to eat that. And you and your son want to die. But give God a chance is what he's saying. She knows he's a man of God. She knows he's got the power of God in his life. But she is so discouraged because she's down to her last. But see, God will put put mandates on people according to their ability to obey. So this woman, it's not an impossible stretch for her to obey the man of God in this. You know, I, I mean, I wish we'd understand that. When we think about God, God, is it's too hard, God, I can't do this any longer. He's not requiring anything from us that we can't do. It's going to stretch you a little bit, but it's not going to be impossible. And so here we see God, um, like for instance, if this were a normal situation where there was no famine and she she had provision... It would be no problem for her to give uh, an offering of provision to even a stranger. I mean, Israelites were taught that. They were taught that strangers could be angels in disguise. And so there was a desire sometimes to obey that rule of hospitality. But when things are tough, you look at no, it's just enough for me and my. We'll get one last meal out of this, and and we're gonna die. And so he says, "No, uh-uh, you can do that first. Give me, give me something first." And so he says, "And he says, bring bring me a little cake first, and then after that, make something for you and your son." It's very important. That she gives that first portion to the man of God. Now people don't like hearing that. Because they want to think that it doesn't make a big difference if you bless a man or a woman of God. But it does. It still does. Um, amen. Because, because they hold the key. They hold keys that you don't possess. I'll put it that way. See, everybody can pray. Everybody, you know, I can do this, I can do that. Yeah, but but prophets of God and ministers of God, they hold keys that you don't possess. 
Amen. And so that's why when we have ministers come to our conference, I always have a reception for them. I make sure that I offer them something to honor them and set them apart and they know they're honored. You understand what I'm saying? Um, we we have reserved seats for them. Uh, you don't want to sit in the back of a, a meeting room where everybody's head. You can't see anything. You can't hear anything. Uh, because we honor them because you're there to receive something from God. You know, you may get a message, you may get a prophecy, you may get something that you need because you have to go out and feed the flock. And so we make that distinction because, not because I'm trying to gain favor with anybody or anything like that, but they have a different purpose oftentimes in coming to to receive from God and they should be put in a place where it makes it easy for them to receive from the Lord I've been to meetings where people say we have reserved minister seats and then they want to look at everybody and scrutinize you I don't even go back there anymore I don't sow my money in places like that because it's bogus you know they're looking for certain people to come to their meetings and if it ain't you they you know you have no honor in places like I've seen people like that eventually lose their ministry because they're so goofed up you know in what they're doing God has no pleasure in that kind of nonsense and so we we make it genuine I genuinely honor people I don't try to look at you and see if you really look like a minister or not I put you right up there if you're a man or woman of God and I know it then I'll put you right up there where God says to place you so Elijah tells her don't be afraid in other words he comes at her offering her peace about the decision that he's asking her to make fear not always was a sign that God was involved in it other than that you would be in fear and so he says go and do as you have said make but make me something first and bring it to me and after that for you and your son for thus saith the Lord God of Israel if you do it this way your barrel of meal shall never waste nor shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth so here his insurance policy is working again amen now he's giving insurance to somebody else so your words can preserve the lives of other people it's transferable so your insurance policy will bring life to those that will hear it and obey it if you speak the word of the Lord for instance when you tell somebody we're going to pray for God to heal you so you just keep believing God you know you keep putting the word in and God will heal you that's their insurance policy against certain death and against that illness taking them out of here so that's what we do with our words the power of life and death is in our tongues quit looking at and speaking from the natural realm just if you can't say something edifying that that will bring a change don't say anything at all but let your words be few the bible says you know or you'll eat the fruit of it you like running your mouth you will eat the fruit of, of everything that you say so he says he gives her a promise if you do this he's not blindly just taking from her amen
If you do this, this is why we every time we take an offering, there's a promise for a return on it to you. That's why we speak Amos 9.13. That's why we speak scriptures over it. That's why we bless what you give. There's a blessing coming back to you every time you give. And so it says in verse 15, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. They ate as many days as they needed to until the drought ended. And the barrel of meal did not waste. Which means no accident overturned it. And it never ran dry. Amen. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. No bugs got in that meal to destroy it. Oil was always in that little pitcher according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. And all she had to do was the one time obedience and continue to sustain him. Got it? So it's a one time obedience. You see God is in it and he's going to help you. So you continue to take care of what blesses you. Amen. Always take care of what blesses you folks. Always take care of the source of your blessing. Always. That's why husbands and wives are commanded to love one another. Because they're a source of blessing to one another. Or should be. You know I don't know what kind of folk y'all marry. But you know it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> you know you have some good days and some bad whatever. But you know you make them. Sh- the bad days are always short. If you stay with the Lord. So the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord. What he spoke by Elijah. And it came to pass. After these things. That the son of the woman. The mistress of the house fell sick. And his sickness was so bad. That there was no breath left in him. So he died. And she went to Elijah. Says what have I to do with you. O man of God. Are you come to call my sin into remembrance and to slay my son? So here now all of a sudden something bad's happened to her. He's her enemy. Hello. Mm-hmm. Now, you know all these people that complain about getting hurt in the church. This is usually what happens. Some, somehow a disappointment comes to them. And instead of them going to God and making it right, what do they do? They blame the servant of God. who's been. Now he's been a blessing to her all this time. Now all of a sudden he's the reason for her trouble. Uh, and so she wants to blame him. And she said to Elijah, verse 19, he said to her, give me your son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up to a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Thank God she obeyed God and and gave the man of God a place to stay. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. 
And the soul of the child came back to him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber to the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you're a man of God. Now what killed her son? This man has fed her all this time. And she still doubts if he's a man of God. Now I know you're a man of God. So doubt killed that boy. She might have had resentment in her heart having to feed him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You you know, I mean she and she might have seen him do some things she judged. You understand how we can get screwed up like that? You'll see men and women of God do some things. You know, oh, they call themselves a preacher and they doing stuff like that. Everybody does that. See what I'm saying? And when that comes up, you need to repent and say, God, now I'm not going to judge your servant. You know, forgive me for you know looking at it that way. You know, and and if they're wrong, forgive them or or point them in the direction of repentance. But you don't let things like that fester in your heart where you carry ill thoughts about God's people and God's anointed. You just can't do that and and have it live right. You don't know. She might have been whispering about the man of God behind his back. See what I'm saying? So so that stuff catches up with you. She almost made it through the drought and all of a sudden her boy gets sick and dies. Might have been that she was doting on him. Some people put their possessions before God. You know, you understand what I'm saying? She and and she's already cursed him. If you look back when she first met Elijah, what did she say? What did she say? Verse twelve. Huh? Yeah, she said we're both gonna die. So if she ain't careful, she'll be next. So she needs to repent, thank God for giving her life, amen, thank God for being in her life, and thank God for sending the man of God to sustain her. So she says, now by this I know that you are a man of God and the word of God is in your mouth is truth. How dare you lady? You've been eating and living every day off what he told you and you still doubt he's a man of God? Think about it. Think about all these people that walk away from a church. You know the church was fine as long as you were broke and confused and got rejected and was in divorce court. Now God's put your life back together a little bit and you want to go to you know the next place where people are prominent and important. You can go find your next husband. Whatever it is that people be looking for. You know what I'm saying know how it is and see you can't really disconnect from what God connects you to unless you turn against it see in your heart and this is what people do and I've seen it so many times I know I <laughs> I tell y'all I'm not old but you know what I'm saying I've been around the block this ain't my first rodeo with people and and you see it over and over and over again and I've seen people walk away and get sick and die because they left the place of healing and God knew before you left you were going to get sick. He provide listen, he provides for people. 
He really does. But you can't just jump up and do and turn against people in your heart. See, it's one thing to get, wake up stupid one morning. But it's another thing to get your heart involved in it. Where you turn against people who have once, you know, like David says, you know, why are you my enemy all of a sudden? We weren't, we, what, did we walk together? We did this together. Why are we now all of a sudden enemies? And so, <clears throat> it's very important to stay faithful in your heart. Don't get to where you start turning on people and it's not this and it's not that and you know all that kind of criticism that we do. You you gotta stop that stuff because that'll get in your heart. It's in your mouth now so it's coming from somewhere. And so that little critical thing that people have in them, this is what killed this lady's son. I'm telling you. Yeah, she you know, doubting he's a man of God. Oh, he came in here and he's all filthy and stuff. I get sick of picking up after him. (laughs) They don't never prophesy right around here and none of that stuff happened yet. Mm -hmm. Sure. Why do you think churches are so empty? There's disappointed people. They were looking for something. They were looking, whether it's right or wrong, they were looking for something that they didn't get. Many people have wrong ideas about what church is. They think it's some kind of social organization. You know, where you can come, they don't see it as a place where you come and work for God. Many people will work for many years with resentment in their heart. And then pretty soon that devil starts and, and they don't repent. See it's something animosity, resentment or something that is in there. And they never take care of it before God. And before you know it they're mad at the whole thing. Quit. Never go back to church again. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because they don't take care of their own business. If you think evil of somebody you know that's wrong before God. You have no right to think evil of anybody. You're supposed to love people. Love thinks no evil. Come on now. But we get sloppy. We let ourselves carry negative impressions of people. Negative evaluations of their behavior. You know. It's easy to run people down. It takes effort to build them up. And so when when or leave them alone. I don't don't try to build nobody. Just leave people alone. You know what I'm saying? That's the easiest thing to do. And so she's doubting he's a man of God. Familiarity. He's living in her house. She don't like it from sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? She's ready to to take her own life and her son's life to begin with. So that word stands. You see? Till she can get it right before God and repent. And so uh, uh, in verse 8. Now chapter 18. We see if we're there yet. Yeah 18.1. Came to pass after many days. That the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year. So he hadn't seen Ahab in three years. He's been on the run from him. First at the brook. Now in another town sustained by a widow. He moves out of where Ahab can find him. And God is the one who's helping him to hide. He's not trying living by his wits and trying to hide from him. And Elijah Elijah in the third year said go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So the drought is over. 
But the prophet has something to do to end the drought. There has to be some action on his part in the drought. Now why is God deciding to do it now? Well God has three years of struggling. Three years of seeing people drop dead. Three years of have been dry three years of uh, trying to go find water three years of a hard life God sees the hearts of the people and he sees they may be ready to repent and so that's when God moves God doesn't move when we think he should give somebody a break God doesn't move when we pray prayers like, well, God, don't don't make it too hard for them. And I, and, or you were scared to pray and, and trust God with people. You know what I'm saying? Like he going to really do them some harm. He can't harm them any more than they are harming themselves being in disobedience. You got me? The sooner you can get God involved in somebody's life and ask God to lead them out of their blindness, lead them out of their darkness, Lord, work on their heart, cause them to change, cause them to repent. Lord, they're too angry at you and they're too angry at your people. God, make a difference in this person's, have mercy on them and give them an open door to repent. That's the first order of business. You don't ask for blessings on top of sin. God's not going to do it anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't force him to 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 uh, change his law for somebody because you don't think they're going to make it through. You let God decide what they don't do. You know, live to me, living apart from God is is punishment already. You just don't know that's what your problem is. So God has to enlighten the minds of their understanding. Amen. So that they can know the damage and the harm that they're doing to themselves. And so this three year drought seems to have worked its work that God wanted it to work. So it was three years and God said go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself to Ahab and there was a very bad famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly and Obadiah was a prophet. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So this man of God has sustained a hundred prophets for three years. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land, into all fountains of water and into all the brooks and see if we can find grass to save the horses and mules alive that we don't lose all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah went in his way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art art thou that my, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what have I done? What sin have I committed? 
it's amazing when people know they're guilty of stuff. They look at the man or the woman of God as the one that's telling them. It, God's telling you. It makes sense. Why are you setting me up, Elijah? Is my sin, is my sin caught up with me? Huh? Listen, in a town where there's a lot of wickedness going on, everybody's pretty much guilty. And he says, says, uh, he fell on his face and he says, what have I sinned that you would deliver my servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? So he's telling Elijah, don't put me to work for you. Now he's calling Elijah Lord. Why is that? Elijah's a senior prophet. You got me? Everybody else is hiding. He's the only one that's out front. So he's the senior of the whole show. So he's got to, he's proven faithful to God. He's got to stay faithful to God. So he's the one that the word of the Lord is in his mouth now. So Obadiah is so fearful and hiding so much, he's scared to even prophesy. So God's not going to use somebody like that. God's not going to use somebody that's fearful for their life rather than fearing God first. So he thinks Elijah's trying to set him up. Please don't send me to Ahab. Don't give me no words. Don't give me nothing. Just leave me alone. And so he answered uh, in in verse 10 as the Lord God liveth there is no nation or kingdom where the Lord has not sent to seek you and when they said he is there he took an oath of the kingdom and nation and they found you not so so the uh, uh, Obadiah is telling him there have been people looking for you and when they say you're in one place you disappear and you don't show up anymore so I'm not getting involved in that game, Elijah. You ain't setting me up for Ahab to kill me. Because I'm telling you, you know, I, Elijah told me to do this and look up and you ain't there. And then I'm stuck with the the word, amen, with the blame. And so he says, he says, and now you say, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I'm gone from you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to another place. I don't know where you're going. So when I come and tell Ahab and he can't find you, he's going to kill me. He says, but I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Well, if you're so faithful to God, what you scared of? Huh? <laughs> now don't get me wrong, Elijah. Now you know I ain't the one for this message, but I'm you know I'm your boy. If you give me something easy to do, he says, "Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord?" Now he proved and give me his credentials. I'm brave, Elijah. Now I, don't get me wrong. Now, I might be scared of Ahab a little bit, but I done done my part for the Lord, and I'm done. <laughs> and so Elijah said as the Lord of the host lives before whom I stand I will surely show myself to him today so uh, this is the day I'm going to keep my word so Obadiah went to meet, meet Ahab and told him Ahab went to meet Elijah and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah Ahab said to him are you the one that troubles Israel in other words if you live for God and somebody's in sin, you're trouble to them. You're trouble to them. 
I don't care how nice they are. I don't care if you just had a nice family dinner. When the grace of God to interact with people is off, you go home. Don't try to stick around beyond your time. Because if there's somebody who is disconnected from God or connected loosely to God and you try to stay connected to them, you're still the enemy as far as they're concerned. Amen? And they're going to treat you like the enemy. At some point, you'll find out that that's true. A lot of people don't want to believe that. You know, we've been friends all these years. Yeah, I still see them and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go sell it someplace else. I don't buy them newspapers. So he says, uh, so Ahab went to meet, Elijah, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him that. And, a, and Elijah went to Ahab and he says, you're my trouble. In other words, I would be very comfortable running this nation in the ground as long as I can find enough water to keep my animals alive and enough grain somewhere, I'd be fine. Because really, people who serve other gods believe that they're doing the right thing. So Ahab believed that these other gods were taking care of him. That's how deceived he was. It says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel to Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, would eat at Jezebel's table. Now, we know this story. When Elijah began to call out to God, he, he first offered to let the prophets of Baal call Baal. And they did everything. They cut themselves, offered blood, they cried out to him. They did this from sun up to sundown. And Baal never received their sacrifice. Said the what the God who answers by fire, He is God. This is a a time of national repentance for Israel. This is why God has them gather. He gathers the whole nation of Israel up on Mount Carmel for the sacrifice, but He allows them to let Baal answer first because that's who these people have been serving all this time in order for God's mercy to come upon your life you got to operate in truth folks you can't just you can't continue to believe a lie and think God's involved in stuff that he's not involved in people who have seen Babies aborted for all these years and still promote the people that are in charge of aborting babies have been lying to themselves to say it's not that wrong. Or they try to massage their con- it's a woman's choice. Now God's letting them see how evil the people that promote this is. When babies, when they say you can kill a baby after it's born and the law gets a standing ovation from the people who make the law, that's an evil nobody can deny. See, you can't look at that and say it's not that bad. Because we've been saying that over 50 years now. And we see that and it's estimated that the the reproductive rate in this country is is almost below replacement level 
where it used to be three or four times replacement level before row. It's below replacement level. It's that way in Europe in many in many nations. So what do they do? They open the door to evil people who want to come in and murder you. They tell you you're no good. You're Satan and we're going to kill you and take your land over. That's the Muslim. Okay in case, in case y'all missing me on any point. This can only end badly if God's people don't wake up and start finding out what does God want you to do and do it. Forget about all this other nonsense. You get before God and you find out what is your role, what does he want you to do and you end it and you do it. So Elijah says get these, get your, your Baal prophets up there. And so they build an altar to Baal. And uh, where are we in 18? Eighteen, yeah. It says in verse twenty-eight, they cried aloud, cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. There was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. So they they're crying out to their dead god Baal in vain. And Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He's reminding people of who they really are. People who are steeped in sin. And have sacrificed their own children innocent blood to a God who is dead. Don't know anything about the God who is alive. So they need to be taught the basics about how to contact God. He does this hoping it will jog somebody's memory. It's like remember we used to do this? Remember this is how we contacted our God? Remember? And with stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord made a trench about the altar. It was this great that would contain two measures of seed. And he put wood in the order, cut the bullock in pieces, laid it on the wood and said fill the barrels with water, pour it on the burnt, sacrifice it on the wood. So in other words what you want from God you got to offer to God. You got to offer something to God that's a sacrifice. So what's scarce around there? It's water. So you have to offer that to God if you really believe God is going to answer. And see Elijah has confidence. Why? Because God's already told him he's going to bring rain. Amen. So the the sacrifice is, is a sacrifice but not. He has confidence in God. This shows that he believes the word of the Lord. And he said do it. it pour, pour it all on the sacrifice. Fill the barrels with water. Pour it on there. Do it a second time. Do it a third time. And the water ran about the altar. And filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That Elijah the prophet came near. And, and prayed this prayer. 
Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. In other words, we ain't talking to Baal no more. We're not offering an, a, a, a prayer up to just anybody. We call upon the God that we want to answer. Let it be known that this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And I have done these things at your word. So he gives honor to God in this instance. Now this is different from when he started the famine. What did he say at my word? So my word wrote an insurance policy for him. This one he gives glory to God because he wants God to show up. You got me? And so he says, hear me, O Lord. Hear me. This people may know that you are the Lord. In other words, I want people to know the truth. I don't want them to be in darkness anymore. I don't want them to make excuses for the evil that we participated in in this country. I want people to come clean. I want them to repent. I want them to acknowledge wrong. And I want them to turn away from it and not do it anymore. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed a burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench and all the people saw it and fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God, he is God. And Elijah said, take the prophets of Baal now and kill them all. The people obeyed. In other words, get rid of your sin. Get rid of the source of your sin. True repentance gets rid of the source of sin. It doesn't make excuses for it anymore. Or it says, well I know I don't agree with abortion but that's not why I vote for them. You can't do that no more. You understand what I'm saying? God's not compromising with people in this country folks. And I'm telling you he's done with that kind of thinking. He's done with that kind of nonsense. And he's done with that kind of compromise. He's not putting up with it anymore. If you want, I mean, don't vote. If you're that scared of going against what you've already say you believe wholeheartedly in, keep your vote in your pocket or whatever. But I'm telling you, that's a prayer of agreement for Satan. You keep supporting people who promote abortion, you're wrong. You're 100% wrong. And there's no way to wiggle out of it anymore. Because God's exposed it to everybody. For everybody to see. Right now we got states in this nation who are banning abortion period. Ohio's one of them. They are sick of this. They have heard. Amen. They have. God's awakened them and they are being obedient. And we're going to all be obedient to God if we're going to survive. He's done with the compromise. And he's done with the foolishness. You hear me? So he's over. It's over for this. Especially for Christians. You call yourself a Christian. You can't vote for people who murder babies. You can't do it and please God. So wake up. Quit being stubborn. Quit being foolish. And live. Amen. That's your insurance policy. Amen. Praise God. Father we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for goodness and mercy. And we thank you for true repentance from the shedding of innocent blood. And we honor you, Lord. We love you and love you alone. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.